Hey, what's up? This is Jason from Centerpoint Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We're so excited to spend some time with you today. We hope that this message inspires you and makes you continue living life on purpose and for a purpose. Let's jump right into the message. Hey, welcome to Centerpoint. We're so excited that you chose to watch this video with us. If you want to learn more about us, visit our website, centerpointtn.com. Now, let's get into the message. It's about in Jeremiah where it says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And then Davis tells us uh, in Psalms that we're born into sin. You know, that wasn't God's design. God didn't design for our hearts to be slanted towards sin. Like, I have a little three-year-old girl. She's the most beautiful little thing on the planet. She loves Barbie dolls and suckers and all of that. But I didn't have to teach her how to say, mine, 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 right? She, she, has, she is bent towards a sin nature. And like I said, that wasn't God's design, but because of sin has entered our world, all of us have a, a bent towards a certain type of sin, right? Based sometimes on our personality, our disposition. For me, it's competition. Right? If I'm in some type of competitive atmosphere, I have to be really careful because there's like a, a, a giant inside of me that has to win, right? Or anything that has the word A or the letters ATV in front of it, dangerous for me, right? Get out of the way. I, 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 it, it might catch myself doing something I shouldn't, right? But we live in a world with 7 billion people that are slanted towards struggling with sin. We live in a world, an earth that has disease and is decaying. And so we live in this atmosphere, right, that is conducive to sin. It's conducive to pain and to struggle. And life is hard. And so awful, also life is hard, and then it gets painful at times. So what do we do with that? How do we... How, how, how do we deal with pain? Because we don't get the privilege of avoiding pain. We only get the privilege of growing from it. Let me say that again. No one listening uh, online or no one in, in this room can avoid pain. We are on a crash course in a collision with having pain and struggle in our life. I remember when I was in high school, I had a, a basketball coach that got us a conditioning coach. Uh, and this guy had no business coaching or, or conditioning basketball players. He was a bodybuilder who looked like this, right? He's a bodybuilder who looked like that. And he was training players who were supposed to look like this, right? Right? We're supposed to look like that. So it was already some conflict going on, right? But I'll never forget, he would always, he had this saying, he would not allow you to finish the last set. 
right? And so a set is like when you're working out. Everybody who can work out with me, go ahead. If you're at home, you got the kids in the room, go ahead and do a bench press. Ready? So we're, come on, Thomas, I can see you. Let's go. So there's a, there's a bench press, right? And so if you got the last one, he would keep going. He'd make you keep going and going until you couldn't get it. And then he would get right up in your face. He would get right next to you and he'd say, no pain, no gain. And we would, I would always walk away like, this guy is crazy. Like, you got to get off of the muscle milk a little bit, right? You drank way too much, okay? But no, there was some truth in that. What he was trying to say is, look, if you really want to grow physically, if you really want to get stronger, you're going to have to push yourself to a painful place that you've never been. And God doesn't push us there. But in this atmosphere that's conducive to pain, he gives us an opportunity to grow. Now, it's... Pain is, not, pain is not the only tool, but it is one of the tools that God uses for spiritual growth. And today, I want us to walk away. I, I know there is a lot of struggle. There's a lot of difficulty that we don't get to avoid pain. So this is a message that touches all of us. Maybe it's in the past, the present, or it could be in the future when we're walking through a season of pain and difficulty. I'm not sure which one it is, but I want us to walk away encouraged and with hope because the Bible has a lot to say about pain. The Bible has a lot to say about what God wants to do with that. And we're going to be looking from Exodus chapter 1, so if you have your Bibles, uh, your, your iPad or cell phone or whatever you're on, it's going to be on the screen. It'll be, for those of you watching, it'll be as well on the screen. You'll be able to see it. But in Exodus chapter 1, we're going to sort of step in to a season of things that's happening here. We're going to step in, and what's happened so far up to this point is the people of Israel have, there's only seven of, 70 of them, right? There's 70, it's Jacob and a few of his brothers, and the backstory is this. Jacob had 12, had 12 sons, and one of the sons is tossed away uh, and, and, and literally just thrown into a hole, and then he sold off to slavery. His brothers were mean to him, but as a result of that, the pain that he went through, he rises to power in Egypt, and God is blessing him. And God gives him the wisdom to interpret a dream of Pharaoh, and because of that, they begin to stockpile and stockpile lots of food, lots of grain. And guess what happens? A famine hits. So in Exodus chapter 1, we walk in to where the 70 people of Israel, that's all we have left, all we have left, they are literally starving. And because of that, they come to Egypt, God reconciles that relationship, and essentially saves them. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says this, all the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons, so these 70 people, and Joseph were already in Egypt, so they're there together. But then Joseph dies. And all his brothers and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we believe that your word is life-changing. I, I remember 17 years ago when I began to read the Bible, it simply changed my life completely. The way I think, the way I feel, the way I see the world, it changed me from the inside out. We believe this book is powerful. So my prayer this morning is that you would hide me behind your word. God, I pray you'd touch my lips and fill my mouth with your words. God, I pray you'd open the hearts of every listener to receive what you have for them. God, I don't ever want to conceive a message. I want to receive a message and then share it. Allow me to be a messenger today, please, Father. 
Speak to us through your word. We invite the Holy Spirit into this space and, and all the spaces watching. I'm so thankful that one of your names is Jehovah Shema, which means the Lord is with me. So wherever we are, whatever time they're listening to this, if they're listening to this five years from now on YouTube, God, you are with them. That's how wonderful and powerful your presence is. So we surrender this moment to you. No one wants to hear from me. We want to hear from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first thing I want us to take away from this passage is that the pain of starvation is what led the Israelites to gain in Egypt. So we kind of forget this. We kind of skim over this part of the story. But essentially, it was the starvation, it was the famine, it was the struggle, it was this desolate time that got them seeking and searching for something to eat. And because of that, it drove them to Egypt where the relationship with their brother was restored and ultimately did it save them. It, not just, it didn't just save them, but it multiplied everything that they had. It went from a group of 70 people to eventually 2.5 million people. It was the pain of starvation that led them to the gain in Egypt. Now, we don't uh, uh, talk about this too much um, in, in, my, in my home. Uh, I'm not a big-time American Idol fan. I'm not. But sometimes I'll walk in the living room, and the TV's just on when it is on, and I don't want to approach my wife about changing it. Anybody, anybody got that? Like. It, sometimes, like, the remote, if it's right next to her, it's like, I'm not going there, okay? Especially if I've been watching football or something that day. We haven't watched American Idol in a long time, but some reason we were watching it last night. And I tell you, story after story after story, every time someone would get up there and sing, there was so much girl who her father had passed away, and that's why she had came to sing. There was a, a girl whose mother had left the, the father and the home and had, had essentially told her her whole life that she couldn't sing and she felt unloved and unworthy and all these things. But, but the reason why I bring that up, my wife even asked me, she goes, are you going to use that? I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not using that. I'm not using, I was like, yes. I'm in there typing, right? Got this. It was like a God moment. But, but the reason why I bring that up is because it was the pain that they went through that gave them the voice to sing. They got their voice back. It was their purpose. And we don't like this about life. I don't like it. But sometimes the pain that we go through is the very strength of the voice that we sing out and the message that we have to share with the world. I love the way John says it in John 14. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. You say, okay, that sounds good, but how do I do that? How do I take my pain? How does God use my pain? Like, give me some practical steps. Where's the how-to? I know we got some people watching or in the room like, okay, tell me practically how to do this. I don't want to feel good sermon. I don't want to read a book that makes me feel comfy. I want you to tell me what to do, right? So here's the do part. Here's, here's how we actually connect the dots. The first thing I want us to see is this. The key to spiritual gain in the midst of pain is turning to his word. If you've got a pen or you're taking notes on your phone, I ask that you would take these notes right here. This is what I have experienced. This is how I have learned to get through the difficulties in my life. The first thing is this. God speaks through his word directly to us in the midst of pain. And you're saying, oh, so here we go again. You're telling me to read my Bible. Yes. But what I'm not telling you to do 
is to simply have a Bible reading plan that you tell everybody you finished. What I'm asking you to do is allow God's word to speak into your life. You say, what does that look like? It looks like this, Philippians 4, 6. It says, what? When you're anxious, let your requests be made known to God. So when you're going through a painful situation, when you're going through a struggle, you let your requests be made known to God. You say, God, give me the strength to get through this. God, give me the hope to get through this. God, will you provide for me? There's been several times in my life where I've been filled with anxiety or I've been struggling. I remember specifically over here one time driving in a little Mazda minivan, and I said, God, I'm trying to figure out what my request is. I I feel fear right now. God, I'm afraid right now. And I realized I I was afraid God wouldn't take care of me. So I said, God, will you take care of me? It says when we let our requests be made known to him, there's a peace that surpasses all of our understanding. Then it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Are we using Scripture to walk through, to give us the hope and the strength and the evidence that God will change us in the midst of our struggle. Don't miss that. It's powerful. Uh, Just like I think of Jeremiah when he says, you know, we can think, God, how am I going to, some of us have struggled with businesses this year. Some of us have struggled with all different types of family situations, diseases, and and the pandemic. And we say, well, God, how, how can I get through this? What? Jeremiah says that we have a hope and a future. We, his, his scripture says that God doesn't withhold good things from his children. We know that God has a purpose and a plan. We, we, we know that scripture has, has given us hope, but sometimes we don't live that out in our life, and Bible just becomes something that we read and put away. I encourage you to do this. I don't care if it takes you 10 years to read through the Bible. Get a pen, a notebook, And go slowly, slow down and say, God, speak to me. I believe this book will change me. I pray you'd speak to me. Read it slowly and write and let God speak into your pain. It's it's, it's kind of like, if I could describe it, it would be a reflective Bible reading, I guess you would say. It's not like, instead of it being a, a monologue where we're just reading, it's a dialogue where God's speaking to you through his word and you're, and you're writing and you're praying, or God, is this what you're saying to me? It's powerful. God, another thing is this. When we learn how to pray, we learn how to pray through God's word. I, 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 this has been, if you don't remember anything I say, remember this. This is the most life-changing thing I'm telling you. A lot of times I would memorize scripture so I could quote it. And there's times when there's a, well, there's a need for a word fitly spoken, Right? But it was like, I'm going to make sure I show up to my men's group and I can quote my verse, right? Or like, if it was like I had some Bible apps and I'm like, I've got to memorize this scripture, right? But I tell you the most powerful thing when it comes to memorizing scripture, when it comes to scripture itself, is praying it over your life. If you want scripture to become a part of your language, just a part of everything, and you want to renew your mind, start praying scripture, over and over again. I, I have this, this stack of prayer cards. It's mainly scripture, but when I'm in my car, I'll just try to pray them over and over and over. I'll pray them out loud. I'll pray them when I pray. And, and, and before I knew it, it was just like, it just became a part of my language. It became a part of my life. And it was amazing how I would go through a struggle or I would have a fearful thought or I'd have a painful situation and the scripture would come to mind and I'd pray myself through it. Honestly, I don't think as Christians we're praying ourselves through pain. I think we actually run 
to humanity, right? We run to find answers on Google or from the counselor, and sometimes we need those for a season. But if you want sustainable contentment and sustainable healing, it comes through the Word of God. This is how God shapes us in the midst of our trouble. You say, you're giving me all the how-tos at the beginning, I am. This other thing I want you to, to understand is this. God's Word is a filter for advice in the midst of pain. I just said it. You can watch a YouTube video on any situation you've ever been through in your life right now. There's a lot of information out there, but it's not all helpful. So my encouragement to you is to filter everything through the Word of God, through Scripture, right? I'll tell you what, we like to know it and quote it, but when we actually live it out in our life, that's where the rubber meets the road. It gets difficult, right? It gets hard right there. The last thing I'll share with you is this. We learn how to process emotions in biblical healthy ways when we do two things. One, journaling with true statements. This is powerful. You say, well, what does that mean? What it means is, is a lot of times we can write out our pain, we can write out our struggle, we can write out our situation, and then right after that, we can, I'll just use fear because that's a common one, or resentment, right? I can say, God, I, I, you know, I'm afraid right now that I'm not going to get a job. I'm afraid right now I can't pay my bills. I'm afraid not right now I'm going to lose this. And then right after that, you can write a true statement. God is never going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. He didn't take me this far to, to, to stop me now. God is going to finish the work that he already started within me. God's not going to lay traps for me. God's going to strengthen me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You can write a true statement right next to the pain that you're going through. That's how you apply God's word to your life. That's how you grow spiritually in pain. The last one is constructively talking things out with mature-minded Christians. Oh, my goodness. Find someone who is a little farther down the road, who maybe has been where you've been, and talk it out. What we don't talk out constructively, we act out destructively. A lot of times, we just need somebody that we can trust, who's, who's strong in the Word of God that we can share with. I love the way Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. So we don't lose heart. And he says that because sometimes we do. Though our outer self is wasting away, though there's struggle, there's pain, there's turmoil all around us, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond our comparison. All comparison. What he's saying is, is there's, a, there's a struggle outside of you, but if you will look inside to that inner self, the heart, which Scripture says it, it divines as like the middle man, the soul, the me, the stamp that God has on you. If you will, if you will put this, this inner part of you and connect it with God, he will begin to grow you, and there will be no comparison to the spiritual growth you get through the pain that you're walking through. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So the pain of starvation is what led the Israelites to gain in Egypt. And number two, the gain of Egypt is what brought the pain of slavery. In, in Exodus chapter 1 and verses 8 through 14, the Bible says this. We're going to continue on with the story. So they have just flourished in Egypt, they went from 70 people to 2.5 million people, but then the story changed over Egypt, who did not know Joseph. So they didn't even know who Joseph was. Pharaoh has passed away, and he said to his people, 
Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. We'll skip down here to verse 13. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So therefore, a while, Egypt has become this womb, this place of nourishment, this place where they grow, and it goes from a womb to a tomb. And I think this happens in our life. What once was a blessing giving to us can become a burden for us, right? This blessing that God gives us, this wonderful thing, all of a sudden becomes a burden. And it makes me think about uh, a story in my life. Uh, I think of, when you think of tears, you, you think of tears of joy, right? And you think of like when someone hits, makes a touchdown or shoots a three or on your series, like the girl finally dates the guy you want him to date, and you're like, oh, yes, I want her to go with him, right? You ever see that? Or, or the American Idol, that's the one I wanted, right? And you, there's these tears of joys, right? But let me ask you this. Have you ever heard someone weep bitterly? Like the, the blessing of, and the fruit of, and the release that it happens when we cry, but have you ever heard someone weep bitterly? I, I'll never forget my, my father had left he had been gone for about six months, and uh, he came home on Christmas Eve. It was the first time we'd seen him in a while, and he come and hung out for a little while and bought us all Christmas presents and, and uh, had spent the day there. And then it, when he got ready to leave, it was like my mom couldn't handle it. She didn't want him to leave. She started begging him. She's like, please don't go. Please don't go. I'm begging you. Please, please don't leave. Bob, please don't go. And I remember hearing his truck uh, pull out of the driveway. And then I go back to my room, and, and I could hear my mom just weeping bitterly, just it, the most horrible sound I've ever heard in my life. This, this blessing of our family became just this most painful thing, and it was the story of my dad. My, my dad, he'd worked his whole life. That's what he wanted. He built a successful business for his family. But the pressures of it, the anxiety of the business, the struggles of the business, instead of turning towards the Word of God and turning towards church, towards prayer, towards the, the body of believers, he turns to alcohol. He turned away. So this blessing that he had gained of the family and of the business was the very thing that he lost and became the most painful thing in his life. He never drove back down that driveway again. But here's what I know to be true about God. The areas of our deepest pain often become the areas of our greatest ministry. Let me say that again. The areas of our deepest pain often become the areas of our greatest ministry. If you will lean into God and allow him, like I said, God didn't, he doesn't want us to go through pain, but there's an atmosphere out here that's conducive to pain. And if we will lean into the church, if we will lean into the body of believers, we can get in the atmosphere that's conducive to spiritual growth. So while you're going through this painful situation over here, but you're spending time over here with the body of believers and in God's word, God will grow you spiritually. And the pain that you went through will become your greatest ministry. That's the story of the gospel. 
in, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 10, I love this verse. The Bible says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Instead of letting the pain and struggle that we grow through allow us to grow weary, allow us to go faint, allow us to lose everything that we so desire and that we love. Instead of doing that, if we will lean into God's word, we will lean into prayer, if we'll lean into the church, God will use that to birth something that we've never believed we ever could have had. That's been my story. That's been my story. Maybe it's your story if you're listening. That's, that's life. That's the difference. You say, well, how come this person, when they experienced that, they went that way? And that way wasn't good. How come when this person experienced this, they went this way? My wife and I have been counseling a lot these past few weeks, and we have seen so much devastation and destruction in the home. And I tell you, the, the, the big, big, you say, well, what's the difference? The difference is that some, some people turned towards God. They turned towards prayer. They turned towards counsel in the church. And they were allowing God to grow them together or allowing God to grow this, this thing that they're struggling with, to grow their heart, to change their mind, how they see about it, some people turn and run. Many of us watching online or maybe even in this room right now are going through pain. You're going through struggle. It's anxiety. It's depression. I don't know what it may be. But we keep turning to everything except God. You, you say, well, I've been to church. I'm not talking about just going to church. I'm talking about diving in headfirst. Getting all in. God, what do you want from me? Everything that you, that you can have. You can have all of me, God. And really developing that relationship with him. Romans 8, uh, verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. Mm. Suffering's not easy. And I hope, I'm not talking about a secular optimism here. I'm not talking about just being the cheerleader and acting like everything's okay and wearing a mask. That's not what I'm talking about. We have a messy God. He's big enough for our pain and our tears and our hurt and our struggles. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is actually the exact opposite of coming to God with all of this and saying, God, here is where I'm at. Coming to me or my wife or someone in the church and saying, this is what I'm going through. What does God's word say about this? Pray for me. Walk through this with me. God will transform your heart. There is so much growth that God wants to do in your life. And we have to embrace it and allow it to happen. The pain of starvation led the Israelites to gain in Egypt. Everybody with me? We still good? No pain? No pain? All right, it got quiet for a second. I know this is kind of some, this isn't this isn't a feel good message. I'm sorry. I know we still got the uh, oh we moved it. Okay, I thought we had the Valentines. It's over there. All right, I saw it. I knew it was in the room, right? All right, it's all right. We, it, but this hey, this is real. This is what life is about. We're gonna face difficulties. The pain of of starvation led the Israelites to gain in Egypt, and the gain of Egypt brought them the pain of slavery. And the last one here is the gain of slavery led the Israelites to gain Moses. This is, this story is kind of twisty and turny. You see that they, they just, they're praising God, they're fruitful, and, and because of this blessing that God has done in their life, now this oppression comes, and slavery hits, and it's just a struggle, and it's painful, and, and I think some of us, maybe if you're listening or you're watching, you may be like, well, you don't, you don't get it. Like, you don't, 
you don't understand. It's every day I'm dealing with this pain. Like, I hear what you're saying, Adam. Like, I, I hear what you're reading. Like, but, you know, they had a place to stay or they had food on the table. Like, we justify because we like to compare. Like, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand what I'm going through, what my struggle is, what my pain is. And so what we do is, is we, like to give, we like to give God the Heisman. God, no, no, God, no. Like, I, this is too hard for me. You, why did we start saying, why would you do this? Why would you allow this? Like I said, God doesn't allow it. God gives the strength to go through it. But let me read something to you in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 22. I don't think we understand how painful it got. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So now they're back at the beginning. They came to Egypt because they were starving and facing death. Now they're living in Egypt and they're facing an emphasize. They're literally killing every male child. So this place of deliverance has now become this place of destruction. But God always provides a way out. Exodus chapter 2 and verses 2 and 3. I, I always read through scripture because it, it's, it's the power. Everything, it, this is what's life changing is the power of scripture. The Bible says this, now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman, and the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. But doesn't every, every mom thinks their child's fine, right? Every, 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 every mom and dad is like, that's the prettiest baby on the planet, right? Not always true, but it's okay. We never say it, right? We never say it, but it, it's not always true, right? When she could hide him no longer, she took him for a basket, took him she took for him a basket made of, of bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumen pitch, and she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. I've read that so many times, and I have to be honest, I just kind of skimmed over that. Can, can I, like, paint the picture for you for a moment? Can, can, you, can, you, can you see this, like, thank you, Jeremy, thank you. I like it, I like it, uh, cr uh, crowd participation. Everybody say yes, or type in yes on the, on the, on the screen. Type in yes on Facebook Live. So imagine having a baby. Does anybody know what a baby sounds like? Can we get any baby sounds in here? Wah, right? It's not a pleasant sound, right? It's not, and it's not quiet. Can you imagine trying to hide your baby for six months? Three months, one month, a day, six minutes? The whole time she's trying to hide Moses, and at any moment, Egyptian could hear the sound of the baby and kill it. Now, I don't want to add to Scripture, but when I see her making this basket, I don't see her happy. I see her weeping. I see her devastated. Seeing the Nile as a place of destruction, I, I, I would probably have hated my heart towards Pharaoh, resentment at, her, at Pharaoh. Knowing that I'm going to have to set my child out here in the river. Who knows if he's going to live? So she's making this basket and she's crying and she's weeping. And she puts Moses in there and she sets him out. And the story is incredible because the bravery of the sister, we leave out the sister, right? The sister's watching the child. She watches the child. She watches Moses, little baby Moses, float down the river. She follows him. And then Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses and brings him out. Essentially, the mom gets paid to, to raise him for a little while, and then he's raised 
in Pharaoh's courtship. Here's what I want us to see. The place that Satan, our enemy, the place that our enemy has desired for you to be a disaster. The place that he has, has determined to destroy you is the very place that God wants to use to deliver you. The place and the pain that you're going through and the difficulty that you face is the very thing God is going to use to give you the strength to fulfill the purpose that he has a plan for you for. A lot of us miss that. We walk away from it, we turn away from it, and we don't want it. And God says, I promise you, if you'll turn to me, I will use this to transform you into the person that I want. And you can have a voice for the world to hear. I love the way Genesis 50 says it when Joseph is speaking to his brothers. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. No pain, no gain. What I love about this story is that this is everyone's story. We all have an Exodus story. This is the heartbeat of Christianity. This is the heartbeat of the gospel. I remember 20 years ago, 17 years ago, I was homeless living in a car. I've been living in my car about a year or so. And I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with my life. My, as I told you, my father had turned to alcohol. My mother had turned to drugs. And I was just living in a car with really no hope, no plan, no future. had no idea what I was going to do with my life. And for some reason, I decided to come home and check on my family. I came home and checked on my mom. She was still doing the same. And I hadn't talked to my dad in a couple years. I said, well, I'm going to go see my dad before I go back out living in my car. I pull in on a Sunday afternoon. My dad walks in. He's in a suit and a tie. I said, what you doing, Dad? He said, I just got back from church. I said, what's church? He said, well, let me tell you what church is. He said, a church is a place where people who are sick, who are struggling. He said, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He said, Adam, everyone has sinned. He said, sin is what separates us from God. No one is perfect. He asked me, he said, have you ever sinned? I said, yes, I'm a sinner. He said, me too. Then he told me about who Jesus was. I said, Dad, I thought church was a God club for good people. I thought that's where good people went. He said, no, Adam, it's not. It's where people who are experiencing pain go. It's where people who are experiencing struggle. He said, it's where people who, who have been born, right, because they go through pain. These people who are living in sin. It's a hospital for the sick, Adam. He said, Jesus came and died, lived a sinless life. And when he went on the cross, he took all of the pain, all of the struggle, all of the sin, everything that we've ever gone through. He took all that pain on the cross. When he died, we gained heaven. He said he, on the third day he rose from the dead and was resurrected. And because of that, we can have eternal life in Jesus Christ. No pain, no gain. So here's what happened. The pain that my dad went through, the struggle, he lost everything, his entire family. Because of that pain, he got saved and is in heaven with Jesus now. Because of that pain, I'm on the stage today. Don't minimize 
how God can maximize the pain that you've been through. God wants to use it. Uh, Jeremy's going to come up and, and just play for a little bit. And I want to ask you a question. If you're, wherever you're at in your home, uh, like, everybody who's here can kind of bow their heads and just pause for a moment. Put your pins down. Just, just, just breathe slowly. And I'm asking you to listen to the heart of God. I don't know what pain you're going through, but I know a God who has an answer. And I want to ask you a question. I'm not asking if you know Jesus, if you know about church, or if you've ever read the Bible. I'm not asking if you've ever been to church or you've ever heard a service online. I'm asking, have you ever given your life to Jesus? That's the first step to taking your pain and gaining eternity. You say, well, how do I do that? What does that look like? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that you're a sinner? I do. I'm a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you say, Adam, I've sinned. I've stolen something. I've thought a bad thought. If you say, I got that part down, good. We all do. And then you say, well, well, what's next? I say, well, listen, that's, what, that's the whole point of the church. That's what you see every cross because when Jesus came, he was the son of God, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for your sin. He took the penalty for your sin because your sin separates you from God. When we die, there'll be a physical death, but the Bible talks about the second death and it's a spiritual death. And when we die, we live in two places. We live with God in heaven or we live apart from God in a place called hell. You say, Adam, I believe that I'm a sinner. You say, you believe that Jesus died on the cross from your sin. And if you want to make him Lord of your life, if you want to give your life to Jesus at home or maybe in this room, you can do that right now. Say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to let go of my pain and my sin, and I want to gain heaven. If that's you and no one looking around, maybe you're here. You say, Adam, I've, there's never been a time in my life when I asked Jesus to come into my heart and to save me. If you're in this room right now and you say you've never given your life to Jesus, just slip your hand up. We say, Adam, will you pray for me? I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. I've, I've been going to church or I've heard about church, but I've never been saved. If that's you, if you're, in the, if you're watching online, just type me. Just type me. Say, that's me. That's me. Say, I've never given my life to Jesus, but I want to give my life to Jesus right now. Just say, that's me. That's me. Is it you? Is it you? Listen, God is your witness. It doesn't matter what happens uh, or who you're around or where you're sitting at or where you're at. If you're watching this on your phone, hey, God wants to save you. There's no pain. There's no gain. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's not the prayer. It's your faith. If you believe in Jesus, you can pray this quietly or pray what you want. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus right now. Here's a prayer for you. You say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have caused pain and that I have pain. And I know that my sin has separated me eternally from you. It's broken our eternal fellowship. But God, you did something about my sin. You came to me because I couldn't work my way to you. You sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. 
And he didn't just die. He rose from the dead and conquered the penalty of sin. I want to receive him into my heart. I'm asking God that you will save my soul and that you will be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you do that for the first time, please comment online. That's me. We want to connect with you and we'll reach out to you again. Thank you for joining us this morning. We'll be back at our regular times next week at 9 and 11 in person. Be safe. God bless. Amen. If God spoke to you in any way during the course of this message, we want to hear about it. Reach out to us at centerpointtn.com. You can partner with us. You can send us a message. We'd love to connect with you.